interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to a brand new episode of my bloody podcast episode 95. Yes, Preston and I, Brian Kluger are back with a form of attack on your horror senses. We're so excited to deliver all the horror goodness of horror movies, horror news horror songs and our main event which we'll get to later today but it's the summertime we're in dallas texas luckily it's not 110 degrees it's kind of cool it's kind of like 89 90 degrees here in dallas but it's full summertime so we're going to get in the water in this episode episode 95 and i must say that finally my bloody podcast has its own channel we have our own links directly to my bloody podcast episodes individually through spotify itunes amazon all everywhere you can possibly think to listen to us so it's very nice it's very awesome please like subscribe and of course i am joined by the co-host with the most the man who i would just want to swim with the dolphins and the whales in life all over the all over the globe in the summertime preston barta how are you sir Doing so well. It's nice to be back. I've missed you. Missed recording. I, missed talking about horror movies. I miss you too, man. No, it's good. This is our. This is like our thing. It's our episode ninety-five, man. I can't believe it. Jeez, it's, it's taken us taken us about a year to inch to our uh, hundred milestone. It is. I mean, we do. I mean, we do so much. Like Preston and I do so much. Uh, work in the film industry like we're constantly writing we're constantly interviewing we're constantly editing all of this stuff and you know we we do all sorts of podcasts and all this stuff and it's just good to finally come back to home base like my bloody podcast is home base where it all started yeah Preston and I exciting episode 95 of course our main event today is orca the 1977 film orca starring bo derrick amongst other people a young keith carradine um but we'll get yeah yes yes we'll we'll get to that later we also have bloody tunes we also have bloody questions which is going to be a a hilarious uh, time later on but first the little bloody bits of news and what's going on in the horror world first off on kind of a like kind of a sour but kind of a better note right now um friend of the podcast our friend andre gower you know him as sean from the monster squad the main actor from monster squad he's been on the show a bunch of times before um Andre suffered a heart attack due to a blood clot uh, last weekend, and he was in the ICU up until yesterday, I think. And uh, just sending him all the positive well wishes and vibes. I think he's back home now. They took out his lines and his pacemaker. And so I think he's on the men and recovering slowly right now. But send all the positive vibes. If you see Andre Gower on Twitter or Instagram, please 
send him all the well wishes. We 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 love that guy. <laughs> sure do. We sure do. So Andre Gower, there you go. So first, let's talk a little bit about um, the news that just came out. That's a little controversial amongst certain people, but we're here to tell you why it's not controversial. Why it's awesome. Scream Factory has announced that they are releasing the first five films in the Halloween franchise, Halloween 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, on 4K. Now, yes, people who are listening to this, you might have owned a copy on DVD or VHS of Halloween. You might have owned the Blu-rays, or you might, like Preston and I, have owned 376 copies of (laughs) Halloween over the course of our life. Most recently, I guess the last one I picked up was the Scream Factory blu-ray box set of halloween um it was the the limited edition one and then i believe not scream factory uh but i can't remember what company released the 4k just of halloween um but they haven't released like a whole set with scream factory's artwork and all the all the meat potatoes with it on 4k yet so they just announced it and it looks amazing, very excited, but the controversy is is how much it's selling for. So Preston, what do you think about this? Well, I think it's I think it's really exciting that we're getting a new 4K release of the original Halloween uh, among getting the other films on 4K and it's being uh, looked over by the original cinematographer, or at least the first one. And um, so I'm excited about that because I, God, I, I hate the, the, the studio released uh, 4K of Halloween. Um, there's been a lot of chatter online, especially since it released about how it just goes away from John Carpenter's original vision with this kind of orange hue to the film. And it's the color is very neutralized, I, I would say. And there's just like certain things, there's nice certain details here and there that are nice to get. But uh, when my wife and I watched it uh, this past Halloween in 2020, because uh, we like to go through all the Halloween films, I had a hard time, I, I gave it another shot. I popped it back in because I collect all the steel books, um, but I collect those more for the art. So something tells me when these new uh, Scream Factory releases come out, I'm gonna be putting those discs in those steel books and Frankenstein in it. But um, yeah, I was not a big fan of the, the studio uh, restoration of Halloween. And so I'm really excited about this new one. And I hope that it, you know, carries the spirit of the original look of Halloween with that, that orange look to it, but still has like a nice, fine, sharp edge to it um, and still has a little bit of grain as well. So um i'm excited about that i'm excited i mean i love the halloween franchise um well like it's interesting because the in previous releases of halloween movies you can go back and look at reviews of the blu-ray and see for yourself or the dvd and almost nine times out of ten there's always been a problem with the video transfer Mm -hmm. like color Mm -hmm. corrections off color gradings off it just doesn't look right so hopefully i mean screen factory for the most part does an incredible job of restoration and new transfers, especially with like flagship titles like this. So to see this 
happen. And like Preston said, you want Halloween to look filmic. Like you want to make it look like it came out in the seventies. You don't want it to look like it went through a digital car wash per se, because you lose all sorts of depth and everything. It just looks like a flat picture. So that's not what you want here. There has to be some kind of medium. So some kind of balance. So I think that's what we'll get here along with the brand new artwork. And again, Preston and I have covered Halloween a lot on this show yeah. and talk about it in real life because we just like the films, we like the characters, we like the, the lore. And I'm excited for all of this. Like it's, you know, when it comes to time, like like Preston said, he's in a Frankenstein with his steel books, like, because I, I'm pretty good about getting rid of certain things like uh, that I have so many copies of. But like, I will, I don't think I'll ever get rid of my limited edition set of Halloween Blu-ray. And then I'll have my 4K set kind of, but like, what do you go to? Do you go to the Blu-ray after you get the 4Ks? Like, it's hard to choose, you know? Or do you just yeah. go to the steel books? I don't know. I mean, I go to whatever's easiest to get out of the, out of the packaging. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I carry, I put all my steel books in this nice glass case just because I like the art so much. So I, I have a feeling that depending on how these turn out, I think these may be the ones that I go to. Uh, but I, I think I've mentioned before, I know you have that big 10 set disc, not the smaller one uh, that they released where like, discs are packaged in a, a single case or two cases um but you have each one has its own individual case correct i ha i have about i don't know probably six of those titles uh that somebody i guess just sold that movie trading co and so i was able to get those so i do watch those like with halloween when we watch halloween the original I'll watch that one uh as opposed to the other ones that i have just because it's easier to get to the show yeah, right. Michelle. So some of the controversy around these these new these new 4K releases is their uh, how much they're selling for, um, and it looks like they're retailing for thirty six ninety nine each. Now yeah. it looks like you can buy them individually, you can buy them as a set, and then there's like a limited collector's edition where you can get some of the the records, the record album soundtracks with it on vinyl, mm -hmm. but. Here it is, folks. I mean, take it from Preston and I, who really love boutique releases. I have spent many times before way more than $36.99 on a single movie. Yeah. Um, but with what goes into all of this, you got you to gotta look at some of the, not so much like something like Disney or Universal when they're releasing Blu-rays, but something like from Aerofilm, something from Scream Factory, something maybe even from A24 Criterion. There's so much that goes into it, the restoration process, the artwork, the packaging, you know, there's a lot that goes into this. And I don't think it's that bad. Like, yes, do we all want to pay $10 for a 4K? Yes, I agree. Especially when you want to buy five of them at once but that's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Most of the regular releases, like the movie that we're talking about today, Orca Scream Factory put it out, but there's no slip cover. There's no, nothing to it. And I believe I paid probably, I don't know, $22 for it. So with this one, you're getting that originally, you know, that new commissioned art, um, which uh, we should also talk about that. <laughs> um, 
but the packaging is different. It's going to be uh, reminiscent of the, the the creep show, the creep show release that they had. So with the creep show, you had like a slip case where you slip, you put it in. So like vinegar syndrome has that style where the casing's completely around it, and only the side is where you pull it out. So it's going to be like that. So if you look at the, if you go on shoutfactory.com, you can look at the the different packages that they have. But if you look at the one that shows the individual discs for 4K, you can see that it says like Halloween on top. So it does not have the the Blu-ray uh, or the 4K casing on the inside that you open up on the inside. So uh, for, visibly from the top. So it's visible from the side, I assume. But um, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think the price is that big of a deal to me. I think um, I, I paid for, so I bought the original Halloween with uh, the seven inch vinyl release that they have because I have the Mondo releases of Halloween two, three, four, and five. So, and Scream Factory is partnering with Sacred Bones to do Halloween's one, two, and three in their seven inch uh, vinyl with uh, I think just two of the most notable tracks from the movie. Um, so I, I got the packaging just cause I thought it looks really awesome. Cause it shows like a young Michael Myers with his clown outfit with the knife. Um, so if you go on the website, you can look at the, the, the packaging for it. So it's like this cool bulky black, nice design. I really want to get the third one just cause that's my favorite score of the entire franchise. And uh, I love the artwork of it with the pumpkin on it. Um, so just for the design of it alone, it's 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 worth it to me. But those uh, with the seven inch uh, record, it's sixty bucks. Um, but you get a lot out of it. Um, and then you can look at the other various packages. Like you can buy Halloween's one through five with the three seven inch records. Some some uh, pins and other various things for like $300 or something like that. Um, so they got different packages for them, but they do not have all of them in one package. Um, so I'm curious to know like what they're gonna do, if they're gonna do six and seven and eight and uh, zombies films or, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious what they're gonna do from here. Cause they, God knows that Scream Factory's put out so many different versions of They Live, uh, whether it's uh, like other John Carpenter releases like uh, Prince of Darkness 2. So they have like a 4K, they got a steelbook, they got the regular. Uh, they got ones that come with an action figure, one that comes with a record, you know, all, all a sorts po of A poster, yeah. There's just all these different ones you can get. And so sometimes when you buy these things, you're like, should I wait? It's kind of like buying an iPhone. You're like, eh, you know, if I'm going to get this, they're going to have a new one next year. Um, but um, I think I think they're worth getting at this moment, even though I take a lot of issue with uh, some of the illustrations that they have for all the cover art that they have, which is consistent props for that, but I do not like it. <laughs> there, I mean, some of the times you, you, you look at it, with the Scream Factory releases, 
And it's just kind of, you, you look, it's like, okay, I mean, I get it, but it's not the best. But luckily they have the reversible cover art yeah. that you can just flip that little cover art around and have the original cover art. And that's what I do. And I, I really expected that, that that's what they were going to do with this, uh, with these releases, because the other 4K releases that they have for, like I was just mentioned with They Live and Prince of Darkness, they went with the original cover art on the slip cover. Right. And so that's what I was expecting. Or they were going to do something a little dialed back and not so, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I like the third, the third one uh of of all these i think that's probably the best looking one but then when you get to like two and four or five mike michael myers just looks really awful like the proportions <laughs> are weird especially the second one um and so it makes it seem like these are fun movies and they are fun movies but not that kind of fun movie that they're tr they're portraying it as i think it it needs to lean into like the more simple or horror, like the original cover art with the, the knife looking like a pumpkin. Right. That's really effective and simple. And so uh, sorry to talk so much about this, but this is like the biggest thing that irritated me when I saw them, I was like, <laughs> you know, great for new restorations. I'm all about that. Let's check it out in uh, packaging, like how it, you know, looks on the shelf. Um, cover art aside but yeah the, the cover art really irritated me no there you go but still this is one these are ones to get if you're a fan of the halloween and if you're into the 4k realm i mean i haven't seen the transfers yet but judging by previous releases of something this big through screen factory they'll be worth it yeah so, so. there you go yeah that's that um is there any other like big horror news that we need to talk about I'm trying to think there's big horror news but we can uh i'm sure this is something that we can do down the line because i've always wanted to cover this uh movie uh but screen factory put out house of wax oh yeah that's right house um, of wax so we should do that one soon maybe next or uh, i don't know they have quite a few the paris uh, hilton uh, house of wax <laughs> they did that yeah so that'll be good also um blue underground uh, is releasing yeah. the uh, Dead and Buried. Uh, pretty awesome. It's like a pretty big set, lenticular casing. Um, and then Arrow Video is doing the stylist in a resume, e-resume. I'm trying to remember how to say yeah. that. But uh, yeah, there's have you, some... Have you watched the stylist before? I have not, actually. So I watched it, um, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago or so cover art sarah deck does the art and she's like one of my favorite uh illustrators in the business right now uh she ah, did she do the buff no not the buffy one she's done a buffy one before that i think is really great i can't think of like one uh off the top of my head that that's probably as another screen factory release but or era release but uh the artwork's beautiful the movie i appreciate it a lot <laughs> uh for what like oh, there's a lot of extras on there um where just like a whole lot where they talk about every aspect of making the film and the money that they put into it and how they got you know the production design everything down the line but it's an odd movie um it's kind of like watching um mvd rewinds adominable i think oh, that's yeah. what it's called where it looks like they shot it 
on like a digital camera that they own. <laughs> um, so that, that shouldn't be like the way that you grade a movie entirely. Uh, I think there's a lot of things at play, but um, when it comes to like movies that are exploring like what's inside someone's mind, it can go either really, really weird or like find this like neutral ground where it's weird, but it also gives you a lot to like um, become emotionally attached to. And so I had a hard time connecting with it. So that's my biggest criticism of it. All right. But, there that is. And then a movie that came out on Blu-ray and digital finally, um, Hunter Hunter, yes. uh, a movie we both watched, we talked about. Um, and have not been able to shake from our minds still right yeah we had the director on our podcast uh and it was it's such a good movie and it stars nick stall and devin sawa and it just it's a great movie like but then it goes to a place and you're just like yes and then the last like eight minutes of the movie are just it's hard to shock preston and myself I watched it before press and I was like, just wait, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You pampered me for it. (laughs) And it still wasn't enough. No. Crazy. So yeah. Hunter Hunter's out. There's a, I think there's only a descriptive track on that. So eh, not great for as far as bonus features, but Hunter Hunter is worth getting. It is a pretty cool horror film. Um, But yeah, there's that. And then now Preston got to do something yesterday, which is super cool. Uh, he got to go to the Texas theater here in Dallas, um, very famous theater, and he got to watch one of both of our favorite films uh, in the horror genre with some of the cast. So Preston, please tell me this experience. What did you do? What was it like? Uh, yeah, I went to um, one of my favorite things that I like to go to, and I've gone to a few of them. Uh, the last one that I went to, uh, it's called a Tuesday Night Trash. So Tuesday Night Trash at Texas Theater. Most of the time they'll, if they don't bring a guest in, it's free and they show like a movie that's only available on VHS. So it's like a unique opportunity to watch something that you haven't seen before or, have, or maybe caught at one time in your life years ago but completely forgot about Um, but they're like fun I mean it's called Tuesday Night Trash or Tuesday Night Trash and so you can expect it to be like ridiculous movie like a very ridiculous movie so I saw Rad that way but they brought in uh, Bill Allen the main cast member uh, when I went to go see it at a drive-in experience during uh, COVID times and uh, so it costs money. It costs money to do that. Uh, the one that I went to uh, last night at the Texas Theater was for uh, Friday night or Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Part Seven: New Blood, um, which, like you said, is one of my favorite uh, sequels in the franchise. It's not my absolute favorite sequel, but I think it's just like I, I appreciate it for how it just goes in a complete different direction. And on top of that, it has a uh, somebody that's in the movie who actually is a great that provides a unique challenge for Jason like for the it's for once it's not somebody who's running away and is gonna die um but actually like fights him and it's very rare that 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 happens in uh, this franchise um it'll be like kind of like a sloppy fight but then you know that it 
that person's going to lose in the end. But uh, <laughs> this one, this one's a lot of fun. I, I like it a lot. And it was great to watch it with an audience. Uh, and uh, the actress that came in is uh, Laura uh, Park Lincoln, uh, who, who we hope to have on the podcast at some point uh, pretty soon. I got her contact information. So I'd love to have her on because she's just, she's a great, uh, she, she's a great speaker. She, she's a, uh, an act, uh, acting kind of coach right now. She like helps people, uh, with their performances and to get in touch with something that's a little more genuine and real. Um, so she does that now, but yeah, she's the main, uh, character or main actress that's in the film. Um, but yeah, she, she, she was fantastic. I, I brought my uh, VHS copy and she signed it for me. Um, and I guess she was like, oh, you're one of the originals uh, who has like uh, the, the, the VHS copy. And then when I brought it out, she was telling me about uh, shooting the poster because I think it's probably one of my favorite posters. No, it's such a cool one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's badass. And it's, it, you, Terminator 2 did this with the poster too, with yeah. Arnold and the Terminator robot. It took yeah. it from basically this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a really cool cover. And so she was talking about like the day that she went to go shoot that and she, she was like wearing half the mask or something like that. Um, so real sweet person. They also showed uh, her 1987, I wanna say film, uh, the po- not the Police Academy, the Princess Academy. <laughs> um, and so I didn't, unfortunately I didn't get to stick around for that. I had to go back home. Um, so, uh, but the Q and A that they sandwiched in between the movies, which I stuck around for, and, and they were asking questions about it. Cause not a lot of people have seen it at all. Cause the, the only place that you can watch this particular movie is on VHS. So that is the part of the night that actually lives up to VH, the VHS with the Tuesday night trash. Cause Friday the 13th, you, as we just mentioned earlier with Friday the 13th, uh, it is available on Blu-ray. Um, so that that the Princess Academy, man, that movie sounds absolutely ridiculous, and I really wanted to watch it. Um, but the guy that uh, was moderating the Q and A said, "You can email him, and he'll send you a bootleg copy." <laughs> so um, I'm gonna have to get in touch with uh, the contact that I have at Texas Theater and say, "Hey, uh, does that offer still hold up? Because I really would like to watch it." Because I I looked it up on eBay right after that. I was like, "Is this movie available?" Nah, I can't find it. Googled it can't find it anywhere right now um so maybe one day you're at a or an antique store and you might see it and uh want to check it out but yeah it was she she described it as a movie that just did not it did not translate from what is written in the script to what we ultimately see and it's she said that so it's 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 essentially like porkies for women okay um and so she has a, uh, a lover in the movie, but the actor who plays her lover had an accident and hurt his back. And so he couldn't be in the movie. So they shot around him. So she essentially does not have a lover in the movie, but everybody else does. Um, so um, I don't know, with all the different languages and countries that it's, uh, takes place in or whatever however she described it uh sounded absolutely bonkers so i wanted to watch it but uh, yeah i had fun i had fun watching friday the 13th 
Good, good, good. Yes. Uh, look up if you're in the Dallas area, check out Texas theater, check out their schedule. They do these Tuesday night trash. They've been doing this for a long time. It's a fun place. Yeah. They and, do. Oh, they do. Um, like at this one, they had like these little small, uh, shops, uh, inside the theater, inside the theater in the lobby where they were selling t-shirts like horror t-shirts various uh horror films and they're really cool uh designs and then they also had a uh vhs collection and they were uh, selling uh, vinyl and so i was looking through that because that's that's what i that's what i eat up good good did you find anything uh, I almost got pump up the volume on VHS because I have that on DVD and uh, Warner Archives uh, Blu-ray set. And I like collecting Christian Slater VHS films. So I almost <laughs> bought that. I should have. I'm probably going to regret it later. But That's um, incredibly niche. Uh, VHS Christian Slater films only. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of odd ones like I do. Uh, John claude Van Damme um just recently i started doing uh one of my favorite boutique labels is mvd rewind collection so i'm trying to get all the movies that are in the mvd oh, and rewind then... collection on vhs um so now i'm selling my secrets and everybody's going to try to do it don't go after savannah smiles that one is mine on ebay all right savannah smiles everybody go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's awesome that's awesome i'm glad you got to do that um now i I got to go to the next one with you because I just, that sounds great. Texas Theater, do it. Moving on to a little bit of Mondo. Um, we haven't gotten much Mondo uh, records from Mondo, I guess just like in the last week or two, but there's a couple that Mondo partnered uh, with another record label to release uh, the soundtrack to The Gate, which was really cool. Um, there was, they did a lot of stuff with that. They gave you a page of a book. They gave you candy. They gave, they gave you some things. And then the, the pop-up, uh, gatefold inside was really cool of the little monster. And then the wraparound sleeve, which was of the book, the demonic book, pretty sweet soundtrack, pretty cool packaging go Mondo. But I do know that Preston has another Mondo suggestion. If it's still, if it's still in the store, cause I know Mondo sells out pretty quickly. Yeah, so uh, the gate, I don't know if that was Mondo. I think that was Terror Vision Records, but uh, definitely looks like something that Mondo would put out. But uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about uh, one of my favorite horror movies of this year is uh, from A24, St. Maude. Um, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or not. We, might we haven't have. done a full episode on it, but I think we mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love this movie. I think it's great. So this is one of those, you know, what I was mentioning earlier about movies that get inside someone's head. Uh, this is one that I actually liked quite a bit, just because it's really heavy on the themes of loneliness and things like that. And so it, it also like gives insight into somebody who may, uh, I don't know why my mind went here, but this is kind of what I was thinking as I was watching it is, uh, somebody who claims to be insane uh, or is in touch with a higher power, it like creates, like you develop sympathy for the character. Like you get an understanding of like 
how they have some voids in their life and they need to fill it and they reach out in all these areas and go to the extreme um, and it does not benefit them at all. Um, so this is a, a movie kind of about that. Um, but yeah, this, this soundtrack uh, composer, I'm gonna butcher his name, but his name is Adam Janota Bazowski. Um, hope I got it right, but uh, great, great score. It's very minimal, um, claustrophobic, uh, a lot of hums, uh, really just kind of takes the atmosphere of the film, which is kind of spooky and like, oh, um, does some really unique uh, things with it. So um, this is one of those uh, soundtracks that's you know, you're not going to pop in to listen on a, you know, every day of the week kind of thing. It's like for certain occasions, uh, certain conversations that you want to have uh, with yourself, I would say, because this is one of those document or one of those uh, films that causes you to just reflect um, and think about things such as loneliness and isolation. Um, so I think if you want to go that route, maybe pop in this record and they'll take you to some odd, scary places. So like, should I ask out this girl? Should I propose to this person that I like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But don't, <laughs> d don't play it while you're doing those things. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's not, not a candlelight dinner kind of music. But um, the, the artwork's fantastic too. Um, it's uh, by Jack Hughes and he's one of my favorite artists too. So this is one of the, so this is just like striking my fancy right now because this is simplicity, but it also kind of captures the tone of the film, which is very spooky and uh, kind of hinting at like an exorcist kind of feel um, with this uh, religious horror kind of realm. Um, so a uh, very fascinating movie and, and a great score. And yeah, I love the design. So if you look at the front, uh, it has uh, the main character in this stone kind of heavenly kind of angel image. And then on the back, you see the back of her head. Um, and then on the inside, that's where it's the prettiest. Like that's something that I would, you could just see in your dining room at the very top if you had a really nice house right because it looks like i mean it's like heaven and hell right there you've got like this angelic yep. figure coming out of the flames and then just like this dark dark kind of demon downwards yep. and then yeah yeah Def it's, it's definitely illustrating the conflict within the character because there's times where she's dipping into something that she believes is good and then there's uh the darkness that's calling uh, to her as well so yeah um i hope you i hope i've sold you on the the movie at least but this uh this uh record is pretty immaculate shall we say <laughs> immaculate he says <laughs> and um it is available on uh mondoshop.com so you can get it and it's 30 dollars. So and it, it's of, still available right ones. yep still, still in stock oh good 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 are you clicking? Are you are you buying it right now? I'm buying it right now. You go to Mondo Shop. If if you can get it, get it. You'll 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 really enjoy it. So yeah, um, yeah. The, the, the movie's on uh, Amazon right now. Amazon Prime Video, so you can watch it on there. Good, good deal, good deal, good deal. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, let's move on to our bloody question, shall we? Yes, please. This is a fun one. 
This is a fun one. Okay, bloody question. If you know what the bloody question is, great. If you don't, it's where we ask a question to each other based on kind of a similar theme to our main event, which is Orca, about a killer whale. And then we bring it to the internet. We bring it to Reddit. We bring it to Twitter. Um, and we ask the question there and we'll read some of the responses we get. So uh, the question is pretty funny. <laughs> and uh, the question it, is, the Blake question is- it comes week, from your twisted mind. It comes from my twisted mind, of course. Question is, what romantic comedy is in dire need of a whale that kills people? So if you could pick a romantic comedy that has been released and add a plot about a killer whale, fish, or orca that goes around murdering people in the film, what romantic comedy film would you pick? Also, bonus points if you tell what type of fish or whale it would be, and even more bonus points if there are any survivors. So, Preston. <laughs> what? Huh? Yeah, my, my, my storyline is not going to be that elaborate, I'm sure, um, just because of the text messages that you're sending me after you posted it. You're like, we're already getting some really hilarious answers. Uh, but immediately where my mind went when you uh, posed this question as a possibility uh, when we were texting each other, I was like, just like heaven, 2005's just like heaven with Mark Ruffalo and Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> um, I, I have a softer side of myself. I do love these hardcore horror movies that we talk about all the time, but I also am a sucker for like really bad uh, romantic comedies, um, especially like the ones that are often made fun of. I don't think just like heaven's been made fun of, but it definitely has all the ingredients of ones that are often made fun of um so it, it, reese witherspoon is a nurse she gets in a tragic accident um she's in a coma and mark ruffalo is the only person that can see her and so uh <laughs> so okay. i, I kind of like the idea of mark ruffalo kind of like that conflict that we're talking about with St. Maud of the angel and the devil of like uh, Reese Witherspoon representing the angel lightness in his life. But I'm going to go with the killer whale again too, in honor of the movie that we're doing today um, to see that he also sees the ghost of this whale from this movie because it's long been dead by now. And so I, I want him to be like, I want to help this woman get back to her body or find a way to come out of her coma. But I'm also being chased by this ghost whale who, and then we find out that Mark Ruffalo is the uh, son of Richard Harris that he didn't know about. And somehow he lost the accent. So, but it fits in the trashiness of what a romantic comedy with a killer whale would be like anyway so it all fits i uh i really like this i like this element to it <laughs> that's pretty great oh my goodness um i went weird with it i guess of course you did of course i did i mean <laughs> so i actually think this could be a real movie so i went with paul thomas anderson's punch junk love Nice. <laughs> Adam Sandler. And you know, like he's, I just want to see Adam Sandler just really 
like because he's got issues mm-hmm. but like he see because it kind of goes back to like billy madison he kind of sees like a penguin or something like that <laughs> but like there is a killer whale because there's a whole sequence a whole part of the movie what takes place in hawaii so i would like this element to go to Hawaii in this killer whale, him and this new girl where he has to kind of save her because this killer whale's after them both for some reason. And I think PTA could do it very well. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I love how you brought up uh, uh, Billy Madison with the <laughs> penguin. That's fantastic. <laughs> Something that's like never really heavily explored in the movie. Just well, no, happens. just like he sees it. <laughs> that would be great um so yeah punch drunk love and um remind me again preston just like heaven yeah just like heaven heaven. good stuff excellent i love it shall we go to reddit yes please okay reddit we asked this question to reddit we've got some funny answers coming from ml cool j (laughs) his answer is splash the movie splash I've always thought this film needs a stronger antagonist. And that was it. That's all he said. (laughs) I think that's just a brilliant answer. Just swimmingly. Just swimming. I thought that was so funny to me. (laughs) Just that. All right. Going on, uh, Easy Lighter said, I'd like to see the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan film, You've Got Whale. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's great, too uh recommend vac said i'm picturing the diner scene from when harry met sally but instead of climax noises meg ryan is making whale noises <laughs> i love that one too kind of like dory and finding dory when she does whale sounds. that's true um hobartus said 51st dates adam sandler rescues drew barrymore from a whale attack at the aquarium he works at but she keeps coming back and leaning over the tank day after day so eventually he just says fuck it and lets the whale eat her (laughs) that's that's amazing that's probably my favorite one so far it's pretty good another great one from the bexter 501 they said 27 dresses, the movie 27 dresses. The consistent bridesmaid is being stalked by a killer whale, and all her friends insist on having beach and boat weddings. <laughs> God, this has not let me down at all. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, so good. All right. Screen Miserable said Overboard from 1987. Who wouldn't love to see Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn acting all cutesy and shit right before getting snatched in the bone crushing jaws of an orca? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then Conrad Hawk NYPD. Fantastic name, by the way. Conrad Hawk NYPD had a pretty good story. He went with Love Actually the movie Love Actually, and Hugh Grant is actually a blue whale. (laughs) A blue whale that goes door-to-door as prime minister, and also he's a full-size blue whale and kicks the fuck out of everyone using his massive bulkiness. The police are like, Hugh Grant, please stop murdering everyone. Your love interest is here. And Hugh Grant is like, just making whale noises. (laughs) And then he just destroys everything. Hugh Grant as this blue rail then finally sees his love interest, Tiffany from EastEnders, and she is crying silently. And he's like, what have I become? A blue whale is a creature of peace. And then 
he goes to her and then it's a fake out and he kills her too. The end. (laughs) This is what Conrad Hawk NYPD wrote. (laughs) That's pretty solid. Yeah, all of those were amazing. Um, Piewack at 62 said Whale Wolf versus any lifetime holiday romantic comedy. (laughs) Nice. Um, Yours and Mine Balls said Imagine Wedding Crashers, but with an orca. Um, Horizontal Bob said, I think it would spice up Titanic or otherwise Sahara. (laughs) (laughs) And then Night White Satin 07 said, how about the movie Hitch? And he goes, fuck, I don't know. I just want to see it. And then he also said, (laughs) Wayless Bueller's Day Off. (laughs) And then that was pretty good. Um, Let's see. Mm, They have some more, but that's all I'll read right now. We'll post a link to all the rest of them. But man, that was pretty fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved it. That that was probably one of my favorite questions that we had thus far that produced the best answers. <laughs> now we want to see these movies, you know? Like, we really want to see these movies. Oh, my goodness. I'm, t- I'm telling you, we've provided a platform for people to be super creative. And we've had quite a few movies, sequels and uh, crossover films that would be perfect. And I just want to see them come to fruition. I do too. So your favorite one out of the Reddit one was not the splash one, but it was the uh, 51st I, dates. I, the 51st I like the 51st dates just because that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> just, just being like, fuck it. Um, uh, but the You've Got Whale was pretty good as a play on words. The 27 Dresses one was pretty good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was good too. That was good. So moving on to Bloody Tunes where we pick, uh, pick out a song, we'll post it that goes in line with our main event, which is Orca. So Preston, what is your bloody tune this week that goes and goes in line? Well, I, you know, my mind immediately went to Modest Mouse's uh, whale song, but I, I, I kind of just wanna, I, I love opposites, like contrasting things, like something that does not belong in the movie, but is still, of the spirit um big free willy fan over here so i would use the song that he plays on the harmonica oh so um, so not michael jackson's whole um will you be there then no no but i do love the and the music video is great so if i still have a vhs of it and we i popped it in not too long ago to watch with my son and the, it opens with the the michael jackson song which is it was good he cries in that song Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a good song. I like that. Um, so it's the harmonica song from Free Willy. Yeah, yeah. There's a song that he plays. Uh, I don't know. I can't hum it, but it's like. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you just did the the um, uh, close encounters of the third kind uh, thing. Yeah, wah, very. Wah, wah. Yeah, very similar. Um, very similar. Very similar. But yeah, I go with that um because uh yeah it does not uh match Ennio Morricone's score at all in Orca but throw it in there for for uh for fun purposes of being fun oh excellent I'm glad you went free willy with it my my pick my bloody tune is um Fish Heads by the amazing punk rock band Osaka Popstar 
Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads, fish heads, fish heads, eat them up, be um. Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads, fish heads, fish heads, eat them up, be um. And. This song was originally written by Barnes and Mar Barnes and Barnes as a comedic song, and it's kind of real slow and like sounds like Alvin the Chipmunks. But this super punk rock group, a super group with band members from like the, the Ramones and Black Flag and Misfits and stuff like that, they formed this band and they did some covers. They did their own songs, but they did a cover of Fish Heads, and it slaps. Fish Heads, Fish Heads, Roly Poly Fish Heads, eat 'em up, yum, fantastic goes well with orca but yes fish heads fantastic that's great so that was our bloody tunes let's move on to our main feature presentation this week on episode 95 of my bloody podcast we're to talking about the 1977 movie orca directed by michael anderson who once directed the movie around the world in 80 days and logan's run filmed in dallas produced by dino de lauren tice uh, and starring Richard Harris, Charlotte Rampling, Will Sampson, Bo Derek, Keenan Wynn, Robert Carradine, not Keith Carradine from earlier, Robert Carradine, and music by Ennio Morricone. Holy God. This movie came out July 22nd, 1977. Uh, it was made about for $6 million. It more than doubled that in the box office. But it's interesting of note that I think Dino De Laurentiis um, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, but Dino De Laurentiis or Tice, something like that. But famous producer, you know, 1975 gave the world Jaws. Steven Spielberg, it was the first big blockbuster ever. Dino was like, we gotta do our own shark movie. We gotta do our own our own fish horror movie feature, feature. Yeah. yes so what's scarier what's more violent than a great white shark it came up that it's actually the killer whale hence orca happened and orca you keep it, it was definitely heavily uh talked about and similar to jaws but it goes in a different direction because jaws is about a great white shark that just wants to feed just wants to eat he just wants to eat he wants to feed on blood and humans that's it orca follows a group of killer whales mainly one that's smart that sabotages a village and goes after somebody because these these bad people not necessarily bad people but bad people almost like poachers do something to their family do something to the killer whale family and it's got that element going for it um so yeah preston orca um what are your thoughts on orca uh, i love this movie uh it's not an easy watch uh it's it's something that i like to bring up as a movie that i think makes a good companion piece for jaws and it's i think even roger ebert called it a jaws knockoff a lot of people call it a jaws knockoff because naturally it is but i think it's much more than that um so like you were saying with jaws like jaws is just uh i saw this really funny tweet the other day about uh let's cancel brody because jaw all uh bruce which is the name that they they've given jaws uh yeah. the jaws shark at this point um was just trying to eat that's all he's doing he's just you know being a predator and doing doing what he does as a fish 
Um, and, and so uh, Brody was interfering with that. And so uh, this movie kind of is a, about that to a degree of some fishermen who uh, are searching for a great white shark. And what's fun about this movie as like kind of behind the scenes, if you think about like, you know, Jaws came out in 1975, Orca came out in 1977. So this movie opens with a killer whale killing a 25 foot great white shark, shark. which is the same length of Jaws. Yeah, Jaws. Shark. Yep. Um, so it, it kind of shows you like, oh, the studio's going to war with them by saying, our killer fish can kill your killer fish and then jaws 2 came out not too long after that and what does the movie open with but not a uh, a killer whale killing of a shark great white shark killing the whale so fuck you back to you yeah absolutely um, so that's fun to think about that's what i was noticing when i re rewatched it rewatched it again um <clears throat> So yeah, I love this movie. Um, it, like I mentioned, it's not an easy watch. It's a, it's like watching a tragic gothic tale, kind of like Moby Dick or something like that. Uh, or it's very Shakespearean. Uh, it's like very heavy with its themes because you're getting insight into uh, whale culture and how you think. And I've been watching a lot of whale documentaries lately. And there's things about it, as you mentioned, something tragic happens with uh, the whale family in this story. And there's a moment where one of the whales is deceased and the one that survives is carrying the carcass across the ocean. And I watched a whale documentary of that actually happening of a mother uh, pushing her, her dead infant across the sea. And it's so incredibly sad because like I, I get more depressed and sad and emotional over movies that deal with animal emotions more than anything. Yeah. Um, watching, you know, movies where dogs get killed is absolutely horrible. Like I will never, I don't want to watch that. I'll watch a human get shot all day long right. when it comes to animals. Robocop because, all day long, point blank range. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I will watch that. But yeah, it, it's hard. It's really hard to watch because like with Jaws, you know, you get this, the entertainment value of seeing a shark kill all these various things and people and stuff like that. And uh, so it's a very simple storyline. This, you're getting uh, both sides of the story, which is not something that you often get with these creature features. So it's kind of like a Frankenstein kind of feel to it where you're getting some of the, the tragicness of what it's like to be Frankenstein's monster, uh, as well as like why, you know, people are chasing after him with pitchforks and that sort of thing. Um, so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very uh, deep movie, no pun intended. Um, no, it, it is a deep movie because, you know, it, it really doesn't showcase just somebody out there to eat, to kill. It shows like why they're doing this in a calculated uh, collection of str strategic moves on the killer whales part while trying to take out basically this one person, but attacks a town and not just tries to eat people, but tries to destroy the village with, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're probably going to get... We're probably gonna get into spoilers at this point, but we we both do. I I think you would recommend it, right? No, I would definitely recommend Orca because okay. it's just it's so 
it's one of those lost forgotten movies, you know, I mean, everybody knows Jaws, everybody knows Piranha, you know, even the Meg, uh, Deep Blue Sea, but nobody realizes Orca has something more important to tell. (laughs) Yeah, like Jaws is my favorite horror movie of all time, which I've said often on this podcast, but, you know, revisiting this, if I were to be like real about it, I think the story of this movie is much better than Jaws. I think Spielberg is a fantastic director and you cannot just beat the the hangout factor of Jaws of those three men being on the boat and talking, but there are really great thoughtful conversations in this movie as well between Richard Harris and Charlotte, uh, Charlotte Rampling, uh, who's in the film. Um, and what's cool about the characters in this film is uh, Richard Harris, who he's not a typical hunter. Like he's in the beginning of the movie, he's hunting a great white shark, um, but he's doing it as a means to pay for the mortgage on his boat. Yeah, he doesn't want to kill the shark, I don't think. He wants to take it and deliver it to an aquarium because they'll where, pay him money. Yeah, aquarium and zoos, that's how he makes his money. So he has a team that, to try to get the, the shark. Um, but, you know, they still use ruthless methods to try to get the shark because you can't just, you know, <laughs> hook, line, and sinker and stuff like that. You right, know? right, right. So it's not that easy. But um, during the opening of this movie, when they're trying to get this shark, uh, meanwhile, at the same time, uh, these two scientists or oceanographers, uh, marine biologists, whoever they are, are, you know, looking for things in the water and studying life underneath uh, in the sea. And uh, they encounter uh, these uh, hunters at the same time that this, uh, you know, a shark is within the area. Um, So uh, there's some, there's a lot more to Charlotte Rampling's character who plays one of uh, the, the people that is studying the ocean. She's also a, I guess she's a teacher, but she's she just a lectures. professor because throughout yeah. the film, she narrates the movie as she was, yeah. as if she was a uh, Captain Kirk exactly. and doing like, uh, you know, star log, you know, something like that, you know, captain's log. And she kind of narrates like her thoughts about the killer whales and the people. And she kind of connects the two of them throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it brings a bit of a narrative element to it. Like a, like an actual novel, like a novel approach to it. And uh, I guess another reason why I picked uh, picked this as a movie that we could do is because Quentin Tarantino was recently on Jimmy Kimmel and they were talking it because Quentin Tarantino just recently did a uh, novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so they were talking about, you know, uh, adaptations of, you know, movies being turned into books novelizations um and so one of the best ones that he mentioned is orca and um so it had been a while since i watched it and so i have the novelization of it um i'm i'm anxious to uh, read it again i read it once in high school um so uh i wanted to do it again just because um there's just like i mentioned there's a lot to it and so with the characters of charlotte rampling like she is not somebody who's just like this emotional person the entire time um where she's like she thinks that uh richard harris's character is somebody who is just a hunter there's nothing more to him he just wants to be the the moby dick kind of guy uh um what's his name captain oh um or you know, not captain ahab but he's yeah. 
Oh, Captain Ahab. Yeah, Captain Ahab. So uh, he's not a Captain Ahab. Um, he's got, uh, at this point, let's say that we're in spoilers um, because I it's hard to talk about the, the genius of this movie without talking about some of uh, the, the more minute details. Um, so Richard Harris's character has a past of his own that's very equivalent to this uh, whale character. So at the very beginning, um, when he finds out, Richard Harris's character finds out that uh, this killer whale is more vicious and more of a killing machine than a great white shark is, he puts his eyes on that prize. He wants to capture this whale, but he's initially going after the male whale. Yes. Um, however, uh, he miscalculates and uh, manages to clip the male's fin in the water, but punctures uh, the female. And so at that point, it's too late. He has to reel it in. So he reels it in. And you have to, with a movie like this, especially a horror film, you have to have an inciting, uh, like a shocking, inciting incident. And so this is one of the most shocking inciting incidences in a movie um, where you're like, if you don't remember it, oh my God, it's so fucked up. Uh, so they reel the whale in, it's hanging up and the well, whale's... Well, well, Go before, ahead. Before, he, before the female is reeled in, the female tries to like cut itself loose by the yes. propeller blades of the yes. boat, but ends up kind of like basically killing itself by it's, cutting it's, it up. It's yeah. trying to kill itself. Yeah. Yeah. So bringing, bringing more of like this kind of like twisted humanity to it. Uh, that's really messed up. So yeah, they, they, they reel it in and they're hanging it. And meanwhile, dude, you will never forget the cries of a killer whale. Like the dad or like the husband killer male whale is just yeah. watching all this unfold. And he sees his like, his beautiful wife, killer whale, lured up all chopped to bits by the propeller blade. Everybody's watching the killer head, the killer whale's heads are out of the water watching. And the killer whale, you know, is hoisted up in the air, you know, like a good 10, 20 feet yeah. up on the boat. And then come to find out this female whale is pregnant and miscarries from the top of the boat. <laughs> this little baby whale falls out, plops on the ground, blood everywhere. And it's just, oh God, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's like, heartbreaking and it's nightmare fuel because I don't, I don't know what the score is doing at that moment, but I want to say it's just using the cries of the whale to, yes. and it's God damn. It's which, so, which had to be a, a, a combination of some sort of woman screaming and an actual killer whale. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely lean into it uh, to haunt your dreams. That's for sure. Uh, so yeah, they, they kick the whale, the baby whale overboard. Cause at that point, Richard Harris's character knows that he fucked up and he has to, you know, <laughs> abandon ship of this situation as quickly as possible. So he wants to let the, get the, the, the infant, uh, not the infant, but the, the premature baby whale off the boat and um and then the movie turns into john wick basically yeah with the with yeah with the, <laughs> the whale. whales john wick <laughs> yeah and it's perfectly set up too because uh charlotte rampton's character does a lecture where she talks about uh 
the how revenge the, the, comparing and contrasting uh humans with uh whales and so yeah with the, the their, vengeance yeah their vengeance, that, their revenge, that's yeah. what it says on the, the front cover of Scream factory so this is great uh back in the day um posters used to have a lot of text on them and so this right. is what the original poster looked like with a lot of text on it so the, the the text on it says killer whale is one of the most intelligent creatures in the universe incredibly he is also he is the only animal other than a man who kills for revenge he <laughs> has one mate and if she is harmed by man he will hunt that person down with a furious anger <laughs> relentless and terrible vengeance across seas across time across all obstacles and my god does it live up to that it, it does because this killer whale like knocks out pipelines knocks out gas lines blows up the village blows up houses knocks down columns underwater to bring houses down into the water so the he can eat people which, he knows them he knows the mechanics he knows yeah. human mechanics <laughs> he knows and then when he does all of this when this killer whale does all of this you have to laugh at it because it, it there's so many free willy moments where the the killer whale is very yeah. proud of himself and jumps out of the water very gracefully and is very happy. You know something. I'm pretty sure see. it's a it's a matted image because uh, right. they use it a couple of times where like the very beginning has kind of like a dark look to it and then they do this one heavenly kind of shot where the, yes. the water's purple and then there's two whales jumping. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they do that, but it's fun to see the whale taking joy uh, in his uh, destruction, because it happens. It, it, you know, like even back rounds of explosions and fire while he's doing that, it's pretty great. So that's happening. Bo Derek is in the film. So Bo Derek, we all know who Bo Derek is. This is allegedly her first on-screen big feature debut. And her character just kind of goes out. Like, it looks like her leg is bitten off, but I don't know if she dies or... Because she doesn't show up again, really. <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah. She gets her leg bitten off by the killer whale when... Because uh, they have a house... On the water. On the water. And so the whale, like, knocks out all the beams. Uh, and then it causes it to have this situation, like, in Jaws, where, you know... He slides down into uh, the beast's mouth. Um, so yeah, she gets her leg bitten off, and uh, but then you don't see it, her again. But, you don't know if yeah, she lives or dies. It's just it's bitten off. <laughs> yeah. So but, we got to make the so we got to make the sequel, I guess. And yeah, Bo Derek come back with legless. Yeah, a robot here. leg. So it goes from there, and then after this, the captain is just like, "Damn it." I it's happening tomorrow. We're gonna to do it. So they set out on the boat. Well, the, sit, the the village puts a lot of pressure on him. Right. And he doesn't right. want to do it at first. Like he doesn't want to take ownership of fucking up in the grand way that he did, and so he doesn't want to take ownership of it at all. He he just doesn't want to treat it as a big deal, even though it is tort. Like it's a a very traumatic experience for him. Um, right. So basically him, he sets out along with Charlotte Rampling, along with Will Sampson, who is the big uh, Indian chief from 
uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, who has kind of like a country accent here. And then uh, Novak, Keenan Wynn, I believe, I think, or is it Peter Hooten? But the, the, the character is definitely modeled off the Richard Dreyfus in Jaws, even the, the stuff he wears and his facial hair and whatnot. So they're all on the boat, they're going out, and the, they go out to like this very cold section with icebergs. And the the killer whale uses the icebergs uh, to its advantage. <laughs> killer whale pushes icebergs into the boat, separates everybody on different little iceberg platelets. And that's kind of how the movie ends. Uh, well, it doesn't end like that, but I think it's a fitting end. It's very, um, very... Well, it, it, it's, it's really trying to make Richard Harris feel like shit for doing what he did. And right. so, he, so the whale's picking off all all his seamates everybody that he's worked with like he killed one of his best longtime friends uh earlier in the film um that's kind of sets off these chain of events um for for this uh whale's plight to exact revenge and but yeah the ending is is pretty crazy um but what makes what's underneath it all uh, with this like great imagery that it has of going to this icy area with like sheets of ice and uh, a battle to the death between uh, whale and man is that Richard Harris's character and this is what I was hinting at earlier with uh, he has something more to him he was in a car accident uh, or his family was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver so he lost his kid lost his wife and so that the situations are very similar so he understands what the whale is feeling so the uh, at the point that he wants to kill the whale for the village because he fucked up and it creates like, um, like this whale will not stop until he exacts revenge. And so it's just messing everything up. It's, it's creating issues for all the, the fishermen that live in the area and everything like that. Um, so he has to, you know, take ownership of this situation. Um, so that's, that's what's causing you to, it, so it has like this warrior that 2011 movie with, uh, uh, Tom Tom Hardy yes, and Joel yes, Edgerton, yes. where it's kind of like sure. you're you understand both sides and they're fighting and you're like, well, obviously you know more of it's tipping towards the whale because everything was calm and peaceful beforehand, but at the same time you understand uh, Richard Harris's character. So when they have this fight at the very end to the death, it's it's just it's sad. Um, it's sad to watch it unfold, but it never stops being unique and compelling. So the, 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 the final moments is the whale hits the boat, causes the boat to topple over and sink. Everybody else is dead except for Richard Harris and Charlotte Rampling's character. And uh, the two of them, they get on this sheet of ice, uh, which connects to an iceberg or like a higher elevated area. Charlotte Rampling's character manages to get on that. However, um, the whale manages to carry an entire iceberg like yes. pushes an iceberg to hit that and it separates them so now the Richard Harris's character is well within the killing range for this uh, killer whale to get his revenge and so he manages to jump on the whale killer whale manages to jump on the sheet of ice and causes him to fly into the water and so at this point he's like circling him a couple of times and doesn't kill him by the mouth he doesn't want to make this easy or anything like that 
or not uh, or less fun. No, he well, um, he wants to. Yeah, he wants to make it hurt. Yeah, you you know he wants to be Hannibal Lecter and you know enjoy his dinner. You know, um, so um, with the with the fit, tail of the the killer whale causes him to fly into the iceberg and hit so hard that he dies. What the five fingers say to the face? Slap. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And, and uh, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Well, and then, yeah, that happens. And then there's this kind of like apocalypse now feeling. Yeah. Uh, like ending where, oh, the killer whale survived. It's going, you know, it, it did what it's got to do. It left her alone. And then the helicopter comes and you're just like, oh, and this like Ennio Morricone's music is playing. And you're just like, man, that was something else. Yeah. But I think something else that you can pick up from the ending is um, there's all that sheet of ice. And so, you know, whales have to come up for air and so I think it's left for us to believe that this whale has nothing to live for. So it just keeps swimming under the ice to where it ultimately will just die. Oh, no, I, I don't want to think that. I like to think the whale that's, made it out. <laughs> that's that's kind of the feelings that I was having at the very end. And so that would lean more into the tragic feel of this entire yes. uh, feel. Uh, so, I mean, that's up to you. You can pick that up. But that's kind of what I gathered from it. No, no, this movie, you should see it to believe it. Like, so behind the scenes, um, the the main star, uh, Richard Harris, wanted to do his own stunts for the movie. And yeah. specifically during the iceberg and ice things, he was throwing himself around everything and allegedly almost killed himself several times. Yeah. Um, the killer whales themselves, they used an animatronic. They used a lot of rubber uh, fake whales and then they used uh, some from a wildlife uh, preservation similar to probably SeaWorld at the time mm -hmm. uh, just for like insert shots yeah there's like some quick jumping shots like so if you're real the, the director's very good uh, Michael Anderson like he's really good at using quick shots so you can't really put a lot of focus in it so like whenever you see like the whale pop up to come and claim somebody um it's, it's really fast, but if you were to slow it down, you'd be like, eh, that's kind of fake. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things, but <laughs> I feel like there's some camera tricks like smoke and mirror method that he brings to it uh, that makes it very passable. So when you watch it today, it's like, ah, oh, it doesn't look, it just, I mean, it doesn't look bad. It, it, there's some creative uh, camera work here. Right, right. Um, acting wise, you know, it's not the greatest, but Richard Harris, I think, sells the character because I think his character has the most to lose and the most to gain from the movie. So he really plays into it because you can see his struggle internally that comes outward. And it's uh, there is a transformation from start to finish. So I like that element to it. Yeah, I like how he even tries to laugh off his situation. I think he was reading something about uh moby dick or herman melville said something about like if god came back it would be in the form of a whale right and so he's he's there's something else that was uh said about all that uh, for for one that is interesting to think about um just the the power of these uh, majestic creatures but there was something else that he said that uh that, that's said in the movie, some discussion that he has, Richard Harris has with Charlotte Rampling's character. And then he like tries to laugh it off by 
um, saying like, oh, this is exactly who I am or something like that. I can't remember what it is. I think it's in the trailer or something like that. So you can find it on your own. But um, it, it just goes to show you like how human he is. And so I, I don't think his performance gets a lot of credit or this movie gets a lot of credit in general. But um, it's uh, it, he's really good at selling that complexity. And, and it's also really nice because Richard Harris went on to do play Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. And so a lot of people are kind of used to his like kind of calm collectedness of himself or the characters that he portrays, like even in uh, uh, Gladiator, because uh, he, he plays, he's in that. And so he, it's kind of like going from like early Nick Nolte to older Nick Nolte <laughs> where yes. you his movies now like you can't really understand them and it just seems so completely opposite it's, and then you go watch his younger stuff like uh, 48 hours or something like that and uh you're like oh man this is completely different um so it's it's cool to watch uh this side of Richard Harris that's kind of like sympathetic uh, emotional and he's using his uh Irish Canadian accent which is true great. so he sounds yeah. he sounds exactly like his son Jared Harris yes very much so very much so um that's orca uh scream factory released it uh, if you can still find it uh through scream factory buy it that way and it's available to rent and purchase basically everywhere amazon voodoo itunes yeah yeah and the special features on it is just the audio co commentary with film historian lee gambin um so uh, a lot a lot of the you know filmmakers and talent are no longer with us outside of like charlotte rampling um so that they don't have any like great extras for it, uh, but they just have that in a theatrical trailer. But it's really interesting. I like watching like a Twilight Time did a lot of historian commentaries. And so you can get a lot of great insight into it. Um, so if you love the movie, you want to watch it again with the commentary, I highly recommend that too. It's good stuff. Orca, are we doing bloody recommendations? I don't know. I feel like we recommended quite a bit. Yeah. You wanted, uh, no, no. Um, let's just let's just let's end it there. Sure. Yeah. Right, sounds great. You shall, does that sound good, or did you have one you wanted to quickly mention? Uh, well, maybe we'll, we'll save a uh, Fear uh, Street. Uh, yes. For for next week, once we've seen all three of three. Them. Yes, correct. So there we go. That is my bloody podcast episode ninety five. Type in my bloody podcast. You'll have the individual channel for it on itunes spotify amazon google play everywhere you can listen to a podcast uh we're on twitter uh we're on instagram my bloody podcast look us up uh at preston where can everybody find you you can find me on instagram at blu-ray dad um you can find a lot of my interviews and latest uh movies that i got or unique uniquely designed horror stuff things like that on there uh if you're interested uh, but you can find my work on dittonrc.com uh, where you can find most of my articles but i've been doing a lot more on the site that i manage which is which i'm the features editor for freshfiction.tv and i have uh, uh reviews up uh, most most recent one for fear street uh part two uh, 1978 so you can go there for that Excelente, excelente. I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at High Def Digest, Screen Rant, Boomstick Comics. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, YouTube. Just type in Brian Kluger. You'll find all the good stuff writing about Blu rays, movie reviews, high def equipment. Orca, 
get it scream factory you won't or or rent it on uh digitally you'll you'll really be excited about it it's basically john wick with killer whales <laughs> it with a shakespearean twist so uh my bloody podcast episode 95 we love you we'll see you next time <laughs>